You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of The Breakfast Show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the 22nd of November, 2023, with myself, Shajil Ahmed, and also Abdul Halim uh, with me uh, as well. Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing this? Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm doing very well. Alhamdulillah. Um, just a chilly start to the day, chilly as everyone will know. Um, how, how have you been? Yeah, it's been good. It's been great. Uh, you know, as you know, as you just, as you just said, the weather is um, <clears throat> is uh, is chilly now. It's chilly now. As <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a bit more than chilly now. <clears throat> um, exactly. You know, I think uh, we're safe to say. That uh, we're we're in the heart of uh, autumn, or you know, maybe even towards the end of autumn, starting yeah. off uh, starting off winter as well, because the weather forecast did say that uh, it's going to get a bit it's going to get a bit snowy mm. um, in parts of Britain as well uh, towards the latter part of the week. Uh, yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about the about the news about the weather uh, anyway. But uh, you know, t- today on the breakfast show, we have two main topics that we're going to be talking about. Firstly, we're going to be talking about <coughs> the benefits, the benefits of um, uh, of journaling and writing as well. We're going to be speaking to uh, some guests as well, getting their insight in regards to in regards to these uh, this topic. And then towards the latter part of the show, we're going to be talking about the importance of inclusive education for students. And it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very um, uh, uplifting as well. Obviously, for 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 young students, how you know the, the importance of education, inclusive education, what is the importance of that? We've done quite a few topics similar to this in the past as well, and obviously we'll continue to do that in the future. But because it's such an interesting topic, it's something that we can talk about, and of course, what the teachings of Islam are in regards to in regards to these two topics. Also, um, we're going to be talking about that and shedding some. Or trying to shed some light in regards to this as well. Yeah. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the, the you know the weather and of course the news was happening around the world. So obviously the the conflict or the war we should say which is happening in uh, in, in 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 Gaza yeah. against Gaza and Israel, it, which is ongoing. There has been some sort of talk. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on as well. But just before we get into the nitty gritty and the you know what's happening around the world, what's the weather looking like? So the BBC is reporting that today, today, the north will be cloudy and windy, with spells of rain for northwestern Scotland and northern England, further south drier and breezier with uh, with bands of uh, cloud and bright intervals, a milder day today. But tonight it'll be cloudy for most, with just the um, the odd clear clear break. Mainly in the east, spells of rain will continue in the northern west, these becoming scattered showers in the far north by dawn, staying uh, staying windy. So pretty wet up in the north, yeah. uh, relatively dry in the south. It's always kind of uh, wet up in the north it's anyway, so kind of like they're used to it. <laughs> they're used to it, literally grey and cloudy cloudy skies, yeah. that's what they're used to. Um, tomorrow will be rain pushing pushing south, of a, of a s- uh, southern Scotland, Northern Ireland and Northern England as well. And to the north, sunny spells and blustery showers, some wintry later as well. 
um, to the south, drier with sunny spells. So, it was, you know, basically the same thing tomorrow also. And the outlook for Friday into the weekend. So it will be cloudier uh, and colder on Friday with some wintry showers, uh, likely in the north of Scotland and possibly some north sea coast also. Skies clearing overnight into Saturday, which will see a, a settled day for all, with sunshine for, for most, which is pretty good. And on Sunday, it looks to see cloud and a few sunny spells uh, of um, uh, and also some rain drifting across the north while staying drier in the south while uh, variable clouds and brighter intervals also um, it can get uh, it can get a little bit you know a, a little bit cold towards the northern towards the northern uh, parts of uh, of England or yeah. the northern parts of Scotland um, and it can get you know a little bit uh, you know, because if you look at the degrees, mm-hmm. it is looking quite low. It is looking quite low for for some parts also. For northern parts or southern? Northern, northern parts. Southern parts is going to be quite low, but mm-hmm. it can get a little bit towards you know towards the towards the zeros. Mm. Um, <laughs> expected snow. Expected even. expected snow. Uh, also, <laughs> and wintry. It was, I mean, I mean, wintry, wintry uh, winds, mm, wintry so. rain. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, that that is a sign. That is a sign. So your school drop-offs are going to be very um, yes. Tough. The, the morning runs are <laughs> going to be a bit, a bit difficult, a bit difficult for absolutely. kids. Yeah, especially if you're walking. If you go, yeah. If, if you if you if you're going by car, then it should be all right. Yeah, but I think sometimes people also, even though it's quite close to them because of the weather, they tend to just pull out their car and drop the kids off because they don't want to suffer that cold wind hitting their faces and yes <laughs> i mean it's true it's true that, that is um that is absolutely true because when you get up in the morning and then you have to literally go outside and drop off your yeah. walk to you know wherever exactly. you need to walk to especially if your kids are running late and not getting ready on time if you have small kids <laughs> yeah that can get a bit, a bit challenging yeah. isn't it? um absolutely but uh, talking a little bit more about what's happening, uh, about what's happening uh, in the, you know in the, in the news, and also specifically what's the, the ongoing uh, conflict or war against Israel and Hamas, um, what's happening around there as well. So there has been uh, some a, big update actually. Some big update as well, but mm. the, they are saying that. Israel and Hamas agree to pause fighting for release of 50 hostages yeah. as well. But uh, what's the sort of, what's the nitty gritty about that? What's the details so, in regards to that? So the other details that have been mentioned is that the start of, <coughs> of this four day pause will be announced in the next 24 hours. So that's if it's successful, as in the, if the deal is reached. And um, in return, um, it's expected that 150 Palestinian women and teenagers will be released yeah. from Israeli jails. Okay, right. So for 50, they will because they are they hold uh, a majority or not well, a lot of the um, um, hostages that yeah. are in Israel. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. number is very high compared to the hostages that uh, uh, Hamas have in mm. Gaza. So yeah. if they release 50. Um, they are saying that 150 Palestinians will be released from Israel. But a deal still needs to be reached, but it's looking likely that a four-day pause um, will take effect in the next 24 hours. And it, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? Um, after such a horrific month 
that everyone has witnessed around the world. Yeah. I, I think yeah. people are exhausted now because of just emotionally exhausted, as you, yeah. you, you can say, by just seeing the ongoing scenes that are occurring in front of their eyes on the, on, on their phones, live yeah, updates. It's true. It's, 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 we're living in an age where um, we are witnessing a live war. Yeah, or some may call it genocide. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's never been like that before, and that's why I think it's emotionally exhausting for a lot of the population out there. It is, it is, and the some of the comparisons that <coughs> some journalists, some analysts are actually drawing as well. They they're depicting, they're saying, <coughs> or they're su- they're suggesting that uh, Netanyahu, the president of the of uh, of Israel of the Israeli state and um, they're comparing him to the likes of uh, Adolf Hitler mm. and uh, you know the there has been some so, some comparisons a lot of comparisons, a lot of like comparisons as well uh, I won't go into too much detail yeah. in regards to that because I don't want to seem as I if think that, we're unbiased I think the updated uh, figures of just children killed in this um, I wouldn't say conflict anymore it's mm. um, massacre yeah. Um, it's uh, 7,000 more than 7,000 just children so and it's about 15,000 in total with women with elderly with um, children included mm. and I think it's just horrific to s- witness it every single day yeah um, if you're on any social media platform I think you can witness what's happening literally and in that part th- of the area i mean obviously you, you know we're not we're not we're not suggesting that we are, that we are biased or we're favoring one side or mm. or the other but obviously we have to look at both sides and obviously exactly. where the atrocities occur whatever side it's uh, is from wherever any side innocent life from, is, yeah. is, is is wrong obviously exactly. we can, obviously we mm. condemn that but the thing is is that <clears throat> when something has been going on for so long mm. and you know one nation or a people they're literally oppressed. They mm. can't do anything, mm. and for so long, so not just not just for one or two weeks or one or two months. It's been going on for years. Yeah. It's so like seventy-five years, literally, yeah. ever since its inception. But the thing is, is that when they are being shut down, when they're not even allowed to retaliate, when they're not even allowed to raise their voices, yeah. when they're not even classified as uh, they don't as have human the basic beings, human rights. Yeah, they don't have the basic human rights then obviously you can literally expect them mm. to do something. Mm. So obviously we understand the sentiments of uh, of the Gazans and the people who yeah. are living in, 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 in Palestine as yeah. well. And obviously there has been, uh, I mean, you know, the, the, this news uh, which has just come right now, which is, you know, sort of mm. breaking news that they, they are agreeing to sort of, you know, f- a four-day a four day, pause. A four day pause as well. But hopefully, you know, hopefully there is something positive out there. Mm. Like you said, there is light mm. at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And hopefully it does continue also because this is something that we want to see. We don't, yeah. we don't want the conflict. We don't want the mm. war to happen any longer. And this is exactly what His Holiness, yeah. the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, as Mr. Masoor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, he, he has been saying for so long that you know, th- there needs to be there needs to be dialogue. There mm. needs to be open dialogue. You mm. can't just build a wall and expect you know th- both parties to yeah. live on either side of the wall and not even mm. talk to each other, not even negotiate to each other. You have to come together. You have to come together, talk. listen to each other, talk to each other. You know, you might have enmity, you mm. might have hatred, you mm. might have differences, you might literally 
you know, hate the person who's mm. on the other side. But mm. still, what does Islam teach? Islam teaches that even your enemy, mm. you need to give them their right as well. They have a right upon Complete you. Complete justice. Also. Needs Complete to be. justice needs to be observed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, when there's when there's injustice, that is something when you know there's no limit. Then yeah. there's no limit to injustice. There's, That's when everyone needs to stand up. Yeah. And go against the injustice. Exactly. But what we're, we're seeing uh, from the start of this conflict, um, when seeing innocent civilians and women and elderly being killed, the world should have come together yeah. and uh, demanded the world leaders, the world powers should have mm. demanded a permanent permanent ceasefire. Permanent but ceasefire, even yeah. after a month now, more than a month, more than the, yeah. they've only come to agree for a four-day pause. Yeah. God knows what's going to happen after a four-day pause. Yeah. And who so, knows what type of four-day pause yeah, that will be? Exactly. Obviously, we we know the situation which is in in Palestine right now that you know they they they, they don't even have access to access to any uh, any energy. Aid, yeah, anything. Any any aid or you know water supply exactly. was cut. Also, electricity, mm. all these things. If you see the conditions of the hospitals there, yeah, it's it's it's, it's shocking. Bleak. It's yeah? bleak. It's yeah, shocking. Literally. It's shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. Then you you can see like nurses and doctors just crying. Amputating um, children hmm. without any anesthesia. Literally. Literally, and I was just going to say that as well. The women hmm. have given birth without exactly. without any sort of yeah. uh, painkillers, exactly. pain relief as well. Not just that, giving birth is a difficult task as well. Exactly. Having a C-section, a cesarean, yeah. without any an operation, without yeah, any yeah. Uh, medication, without yeah. any mothers out there who who have been through it. Yeah, they know how painful. They that know is. how painful that and can be. And that's a basic human right that needs to be given to everyone around. Exactly. Them. Exactly. And even yesterday, I saw this video of a father who was a doctor, yeah. and uh, he was amputating his own child, mm. and his own child passed away because of that pain, because there was mm. no anesthesia to yeah, numb the I pain. I mean, there's been so many it's videos, shocking. there's been so many articles as yeah. well. I mean, babies who are just born one, two, three days old, literally losing their lives exactly right then as well. I mean. It's difficult to look at as well. I mean, as a parent, especially it, as in, yeah. it will it will hit yeah. you, especially very with young hard. children. Yeah. Is is something which you know hits, because they have their hits. whole life ahead of them. Yeah, and uh, even if they haven't lost their lives, their parents are gone. Yeah, and they are left alone. Basically, whole families, whole generations have been wiped away. Exactly. Exactly. Obviously, you know we. I mean that that is something that we want, isn't it? We we want dialogue to happen. Exactly. So that. You know, not just a ceasefire, but a permanent ceasefire as well. And like mm. you said, the the world governments should have come together. Mm. They should have been more brave. Exactly. You know, and 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 call injustice yeah. where it is. If you see injustice happening, it doesn't matter if your friends mm. doing it. Doesn't matter if your mm. if your if your brother's as, doing it. Yeah. Call it out. Exactly. Because that is what Islam teaches. Islam, Islam, Islam says is that even if we have to, mm. go, you know, you know, be so yeah. just. Mm. And you know, observe you know the 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 the, the truth truthfulness wherever it yeah. may be. That even if you have to go against your, your own parents, family, your, yeah. your family members, I believe your I believe the narration is that the Holy Prophet said that even if his daughter had stolen something, yeah, I would have, yeah, um, given given the giving yeah. the pun- yeah. whatever the punishment yeah. was as well, cut off her hands yeah. uh, or whatever. But that that goes to show how how just he was. Yeah. That goes to show how just mm. and he wanted justice to be upheld exactly. as well. But when you have, when you when you're part of an agreement, when you're part of a sort of an organization exactly. which uh, you know which is being run 
let's say, for example, the United Nations, the mm. UN, the UNO. Now, if they if they agree upon something and they say that you know this is wrong, this is a humanitarian mm. crisis which is happening, or it's a war crime, or it's a war crime. Yeah, it's not one, it's not two, it's multiple war crimes. Mm. But then you have other nations on the other side, on the flip side. They say, you know what, well, you can say whatever you yeah. want. We I don't can agree to whatever, yeah. whatever you say. But then saying. what is the point of that? What is <laughs> United Nations, the, Nation, the international the law. And I've said this so many times before as well. Where is your democracy then? Exactly. It's gone down the drain. Exactly. Now, you, you know, all of these nations, they say very proudly that, yes, we, you know, we, we promote democracy. We are the People's Party. We listen to the people. We're this, we're that. We are the champions and of human cha- rights. We're the champions of human rights and whatever, yeah. inverted commas, obviously. Now, if they say, you know, whatever they want to say, and no one can stop them, if they can do whatever they want to do and no one can stop them, mm. if nations are calling them out and saying, you know, stop what you're doing, mm. what you're doing is absolutely wrong. It's a violation of any sort of human rights whatsoever. But they say no, you know, we can do whatever we want because those guys aren't even human beings. Yeah. I mean, when you have that sort of, you know, Look, mindset. Yeah, exactly. It's difficult, yeah. isn't it? And why do why do nations have veto? Why do some mm. nations have veto power anyway? And then, as we saw, what well, America vetoed yeah. the aid coming through mm. to Gaza. Yeah. When majority of the countries around the world, but because they were able to veto it, they vetoed it. They vetoed. Where's the justice? Where's the justice in that? that? Where's the justice? Exactly. There's no, there's no, there's absolutely no justice then. There's no justice system. Exactly. And, and you can never have a peaceful society if there's no justice. Absolutely, it's not possible. Absolutely. Now, what well, something which is very powerful, which His Holiness actually said as well, in one of his Friday sermons, I believe it was last week or the week before. Last week. He yeah. said that um, if these, if this atrocity occurs and the conflict actually grows Spread into around, a proper yeah. war and grows into uh, another world war. Uh, I mean, obviously, God forbid. Yeah. Then we see that whatever happened to the League of Nations, that is the same thing, the same fate that's going to happen to the United Nations yeah. as well. I mean, the the, the general the general secretary, or the secretary general, mm. he has been saying quite uh, you know some good things as yeah. well. But it seems as if whatever he is saying, mm. it doesn't have any weight. Yeah. Israel yeah. goes completely against it, completely against it, and demands yeah. him to yeah. take back whatever he said. By whatever he's saying, and. When you have this sort of mindset, doesn't matter how good the the secretary general may be, doesn't matter how what you know how many good things that he's saying. Obviously, we want justice to be there as well. Obviously, we want to end and stop the war. We want to we want a ceasefire. But when nations don't even listen to the, the United Nations, then what's the point what's of the it? Point? Then, unfortunately, they might have the same fate as the League of Nations. What happened? Yeah, what happened exactly. after the World War? It finished, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you know that's the that's the it's same. Just, it's just a cycle yeah, that we are cycle. seeing, unfortunately, isn't it? I mean, history does repeat, repeat it. itself, yeah. And we are sort of witnessing the repetition of what's happened in yeah. the not even a not even a century. Yeah, ago. it's not even that. That's the I, thing. I was thinking about that's that the, the other thing. day. Also, I was talking to one of my friends that if you think about it, World War Two is not even that long ago. Not even that long ago. And still, <laughs> humans have somehow came upon this conflict which could lead to another massive yeah, world yeah. war less than a generation isn't it yeah and that's the thing when when you don't pay heed when you don't pay attention to yeah. what's happened in the past yeah and you literally you know say oh no that was that was in the past it's not going to happen again yeah. or oh it doesn't matter that was I think that was back then 
the, I mean, yeah. The, the, I think the main thing is, and His Holiness always mentions, is that the duties that we have to God, mm. if that is not fulfilled, and we do not come closer to God, and he's mentioned this in uh, um, um, uh, numerous of his speeches. Mm. But at the time when we do not come closer to God, true justice, true peace can never be upheld in society. Yeah. So the main thing is we need to come back to the Creator who created we us. We need to come back to the Creator. Absolutely. And, and whatever teachings that He's told us to act upon, if we follow that, hmm. then we know <laughs> that we will have a peaceful society. The thing is, is that when uh, when governments have an agenda, that is also that, that doesn't make it, you know. It doesn't put you in the right direction as well. Yeah, of course. Now, when you look at the the way that the MPs over here in the UK, yeah. right, how they the way that they voted, yeah, for shocking. you know for the ceasefire or against the ceasefire, not even half of the MPs, yeah. right, they they voted for the ceasefire. And I I, I read somewhere that um, MPs were told that if they vote against the ceasefire, they will be made to resign. Hmm. So that was one news that I heard, which is shocking. Or for the ceasefire, you mean? If they, yeah, if they yeah, vote for, yeah. for the ceasefire, for, then they will make happen, yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, you can't claim oh, that um, a certain country stands for a certain position when majority of the population are having a protest outside, going against exactly the decision that you've made. When literally, when you see hundreds and thousands of million, people, even, I think it was around a million or eight hundred thousand. I think it was. Yeah, it could yeah. be, could could have been yeah. because it's it's been happening for yeah. a number of weeks now. Yeah. Uh, the the the, the, the protests, the, yeah, the peaceful protests as well. Yeah. That and when when obviously it's it's go back to the same thing, isn't it? When 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 the whole reason you're in power is because you want democracy to prevail yeah. and you say that you are the people's party you listen to the people you want what the people want the people want but, a ceasefire <laughs> mate. Exactly. people want peace people want peace mm-hmm. people don't want conflict exactly. we don't want we don't want war yeah. obviously you do get those rotten apples here and there yeah. and but the majority yeah. of the people everyone around the world you can see social media you can see all the protests that are happening around the world yeah. not just england not just yeah. america everywhere Middle Eastern countries, you know, the, the, it's funny because some Middle Eastern countries, nations or states, some of them don't want a ceasefire as well. But you see the people, hmm. they literally want a ceasefire. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, obviously videos come on social yeah, media here and there okay. as well. But in Egypt, there was a football match and literally they were, the whole stadium was yeah. chanting yeah. For, for, a ceasefire. for a ceasefire. And you see that happening in different countries as well. An island are doing... You know, bits yeah. as well. I mean, obviously, they 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 literally want to see for obviously. Yeah. You do see here and there politicians and and uh, you know yeah. wo- world leaders. They are you know raising their voice, but sometimes you see you see it seems as if it's as if they're not listening. They're not. To the they're not actually listening to the yeah. population. And you're calling it a democracy. You're calling it a democracy. So, so, so it's just a, a bit a bit a bit a bit of a funny one. But obviously, that's that's what we want. We want we want. Whoever the whoever the leader is, yeah, to do justice to to your seat, right? Yeah. And if and if justice is there, and if justice prevails, then there won't be any sort of conflict as well. Yeah. If if you see something wrong it. happening, call it out. Exactly. Doesn't matter how, you know, how strong. It just reminds me of the that. narration of the uh, holy prophet. Yeah. Right. If you see something wrong happening, the best thing you can do is physically go and stop that thing. If you yeah. can't stop it physically, you inform the authority who has the power. At least inform the authority. But if you can't even do that, then your last resort is that you can at least pray yeah. for 
that wrong thing that's taking place in front absolutely. of you for it to stop. Absolutely, absolutely. Because Islam just has an answer to everything. It's it just, has the answer to everything. And obviously, it 100% has the answer to end any sort of wars and conflicts yeah. which are which are happening as well. And if people take heed to, for, to for the example, of Islam... For example, yeah. in the state of war, the, the basic the Holy Prophet mentioned oh. is that elderly, the um, children... And the women mm. should not be targets. They should not be harmed. Mm. And we see the complete opposite. We see the complete opposite. Exactly. Obviously, when you have bombs dropping exactly. in hospitals. Yeah. Hos- hospitals. Collateral damage. Exactly. Literally. Not even that. Anywhere. You see it uh, you know, happening to churches exactly. and other places, yeah. other places of worship as well. I mean, it's, That's it's, a war it's, crime it's, in it's itself. It's a war crime. First of all, uh, we know Islam has mentioned that. And then on top of that, it's a war crime. It's, it's mentioned. And it's still taking place. Mm. Then where is the justice? Where's the justice? How do you stop it? I mean, that's what that's what His Holiness has been saying, isn't it? For us as Ahmadi Muslims, one thing that we can do is bow down before God. Yeah. At least, at if not anything else, at least one prostration in the prayer. Yeah. We can dedicate to you know to to just plead to God Almighty yeah. that you know please stop this uh, injustice which yeah. is happening. And make the Muslims united. Exactly. Because if the Muslims get, uh, you know, you know, divided, to be honest, mosques, stay divided, mosques should be filled happen. at mosques this time. Mosques should be filled. Yeah, it should be. Now, obviously, you know, th- there is so much that we can talk about in regards to this. Yeah. But you know, just a little bit, just moving on a little bit from, uh, from this, and in other news, and then after that, we'll take a short break and then come back and go into our first topic. Just before we go into a break. Um, uh, you're, you're following the uh, you know what's happening in the football and the the European uh, qualifiers. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, but you probably seen the uh, the the battering a couple of a couple of days ago <laughs> of, of Gibraltar <laughs> <laughs> by France. By France, yeah, fourteen nil. Fourteen nil. Fourteen nil. I mean, I'd, fine. They did, that get red, they did get a red card in the beginning, uh, and maybe that led to it. But fourteen. Yeah. Is that a record? I don't know. I, I think sure. that's a record in the in the Euros. Yeah, for probably, the Euros, probably. For the Euros, because obviously, the you do to get other, yeah, yeah. you do to get other other teams, you know, this and that, yeah. and the rubbish teams, or not that good teams, yeah. and obviously they. The thing is, the funny thing is that you know Europeans claim that their standard of football is very very high. Yeah. Um, compared to the North and South American, South American around, yeah. you know, Brazil, yeah, 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 yeah. but you never see this kind of score in uh, that part of in that, in that the world. Part of the world. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, fourteen, no. fourteen, no, yeah. and uh, I think. They also played again, um, and they lost quite quite yeah, a bit, or so four yeah. or five goals, something like that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I mean, um, so, yeah, I, I was shocked <laughs> as well when I when I saw that score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw the highlights. It was, surprise. It, was, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Premier League is going to be back, be back on, yeah. the, on, on the on the weekend this week. Yeah. And uh, you after know, international break. I think everyone waits for the Premier League, break. isn't it? Everyone, the international break the league, is a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a drag. Yeah, <laughs> drag. It's just not finishing. <laughs> unless, unless if it's the actual tournament which is happening, which is such as you know the World Cup or the Euros, yeah. you know, yeah, then yeah, obviously yeah. then that's yeah, a bit yeah, different, exactly. isn't it? But but you know, qualifiers is just you know, yeah. Yeah. Right, I, I, I don't think no everyone anyone wants to watch that. <laughs> the worst thing is is that some players when they go to international break they they get injured. Yeah, that's not, and then for the clubs, and that's for the a big clubs, that's worry. a big blow. Yeah. That's a big blow. Obviously, if they're con- contenders, trying to aim yeah. for that, you know, top four position exactly. or even exactly. for the title, exactly that that can be a major blow. Yeah, and we see we've seen that happen 
Um, and it's it's been yeah. happening as well. But I think you just pray for your club players, isn't it? That they <laughs> <Yeah>. come back safe. <laughs> they come back safe, literally, literally. Yeah. But obviously, you know, players they do want to play for their country as well. Yeah. So you can't really yeah. stop them. Yeah. You can't really stop it's them. Well. It's a very big thing. It's a very big thing for everyone to play for their country. Now, uh, just uh, just before just before we take a break, there was another news article that I wanted mm-hmm. to quickly talk about as well, uh, which is quite interesting. Uh, in, in regards to in regards to the summer holidays, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, school summer holidays in Wales mm-hmm. could be cut by a week after the Welsh government actually drew up plans that it would uh, benefit both teenagers and students as well, teachers and students as well. They are saying that under the proposals, a week would be taken from the summer holidays, and would be added. Uh, that week would be added to the to the October break. Ah, okay. So, um, but what's the what's the reason behind it? The reason is just to give the just to give the uh, the people who are earning minimum minimum wage a little bit more of a chance, so that they can you know they can balance out the weeks, and so that there's not too much pressure on the holidays. And you know, just just so that everything can get balanced as well. Ah. So there will so there, there will be no change in, in in the total number of weeks of holidays. Okay. Um, with the changes to begin in October 2025, and the first shortened summer break would be the July 2026. So then, that you know that holiday will, in 2026 will be taken off one week, and then that will be so added, just, on, okay. added on. Added on. Added on. It'll just be changed. There will not be. There will not be a cut to the days. There won't be cut be to, to the yeah. days. There will just be a shift. Mm. So instead of one week yeah. in on October, you would know, isn't it? In mm. October, you do not. You normally kids normally get the half term break. Yeah. That one week. But then they will get two weeks. Yeah. Uh, but then in the, obviously when it comes to December and the New Year's, then they will still get those two those two weeks as well. So it will be sort of mm. a, a you know a two week break and then a two yeah, week break yeah, after. Yeah. So it, it's it's, it's you know, it can work. Yeah, it can fun, work. Yeah. It can work. And I think to, uh, talking about minimum wage, as you mentioned, uh, minimum wage is um, set to rise. Uh, yeah, minimum wage is yeah. set to rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I saw that. As well. I think uh, for um, a pound. It was about eleven pounds yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, it's risen per an hour per hour. Yeah. But obviously, when you see the the cost of living increasing mm. so it's much, it's understandable. It's understandable, and yeah. it's sort of needed as well, isn't it? Yeah. So basically, what is the minimum wage is to increase by more than a pound to eleven uh, forty four per hour from mm. April next year. From April next, next year. year, yeah. That's what it's saying. I mean, yeah. the, the prime minister did say that he was going to half inflation mm. by the end of the year. Mm. And uh, we are going towards that. Yeah, it's, we, it's, it's we, come we down. Are see, we, we are seeing it go yeah. down. But to go half, that's a... It's a bit um, of a task, we, but... We've got, we've got about <laughs> a, a, month. Month and, a month and a week. <laughs> yeah. So let's see, about about 40 days. Yeah. Let's see let's see what happens yeah. as well. But obviously, because of the, the Christmas and the New Year's, mm. that is when businesses boom as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so, a lot of people need to well, spend a lot of money as well. A lot so. of people spend a lot of money. And so that is when a lot of money is spent, yeah, uh, literally. Exactly. Uh, but obviously, but then on the other side, on the flip side, in January, that is when sales go so they mm. plummet, they go so down yeah, because yeah. you know, in January, no one, no really, one wants to go out because <laughs> they're, they're broke. <laughs> yeah, their, their pockets are empty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's what that's what the An- another news that is. I was um, going through is um, for those that are involved in crypto. Right. So um, you must have heard of uh, Binance. Yeah, it's an app. It's a trading yeah, yeah. app for crypto. So the chief um, 
Chang Peng Zhao has pleaded guilty to money laundering. Right. So um, they have been fined. The Binance um, chief has been fined 4.3 billion dollars because billion. Yeah. So wow. because it's 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 um, said that they allowed fraudsters and criminals to trade on their app. Mm. Um, and he he did mention he said on 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 X Twitter. Yeah. Which is X now. Yeah. That uh, I made mistakes and I must take responsibility. This is best for our community, for Binance, and for myself. So he's resigned now, after mm. pleading guilty to money laundering violations. Mm. So it's big news. Yeah, I mean, you know, if not, if not, if not today, then tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just a it's. It, there's a, there's a time limit for everything. For everything, there's yeah. There's a time limit for everything. There's only so much that you can do. <laughs> we see that, you know, what happened to big, big drug lords yeah. in the past, Pablo Escobar and all these guys, um, El Chapo, wherever, yeah. whoever, they are going to get caught. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they are going to get caught, exactly. isn't it? They can, and they know themselves. They can earn billions. Yeah. They can earn even more than, you know, Jeff yeah. Bezos and yeah. wherever, right? Um, but the there is gonna come. Yeah. There is gonna kind of come a time where you know it's gonna be. They're gonna yeah. be answerable for their actions. It's gonna be answerable even for if actions. In, not in this world, then in the yeah, next. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's what people don't realize as well. Mm. If not in this world, mm. then in the next world. Yeah. I mean, as Muslims, what we believe there is a hereafter. Yeah. yeah, you will be judged, and you will be accountable for the actions that you. Yeah, I mean that's why it. that's why we need to that's why we need to pray. You know, that's why we need to pray. We need yeah. to fix that. It's not just about praying; it's about fixing up also at the exactly. same time. And and that's that's another thing that um, came to my mind: the faith and the resilience of the hmm. Palestinians that we see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to mention that. It's also. shocking. It's yeah. it's it's just amazing to see the faith that they have. Some people's faith is so strong. Exactly. And literally, they say that you know we've we've lost lives. We've yeah. lost. I've lost my brother. Mm. I've lost my father. I've lost yeah, my mum. Exactly. This and that. But you know they are holding kids, and at the same the time, kids. they are they are praising God. Yeah. That this and and this life is a test at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> life is a test. At the, yeah, yeah, exactly. As for believers, that's what we As believe. For believers, right? and the thing is, is that some of them, a lot of them, are actually calling for the the Mahdi to come. Yeah, obviously, some people's concept of the Mehdi is a bit different, yeah, right? Exactly. They think that you know the Mehdi is going to come. He's going to have a sword in his yeah, hand. And he's going to murk everyone. Yeah, he's going to bloody, kill a, bloody everyone. Messiah. a bloody yeah, Messiah. Yeah. A bloody Messiah, and the Mehdi will join hands. Yeah, as well. That's what they believe. Yeah. But the thing is, is that that's not the case. That's not what's going to happen. Yeah. What's going to happen is that a a a a Messiah is going to come. Uh, a Mehdi is going to come. It's going to be one and the same person. And that person is going to give the real teachings of Islam. Yeah. And that is about equity, equality, about peace, peace. about freedom. Yeah. And it's obviously, it's going to remind you about your due rights towards yeah. God and towards mankind. Humanity, yeah. And that is what we believe that Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, upon whom be peace, who was the promised Messiah, who was the awaited Mahdi, he was the Imam of the age. He came as a Hakam and Adal, yeah. who came as an arbitrator, as a just person. And he told us what the true teachings of Islam are. Mm. Brought back those true teachings which were given to us by the Holy Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Yeah. We can go on yeah, hours and hours and hours. Topic, yeah. This could be a you know a whole two-hour topic on just this, but that that is what that is what we believe as Ahmadi mm. Muslims as well. Obviously, living under the fifth caliphate yeah. of the of the Promised Messiah, 
and uh, may Allah be his helper, Zimbabwe Masood Ahmed, being the fifth caliph, mm-hmm. tells us day in and day out that we need to fulfill the rights of God, we need to fulfill the rights of mankind, and that is what we need to tell the people, the masses yeah. as well. Like because, I said, we could talk about yeah. this for hours, but uh, I think we're going to take a very, very short break. And uh, right after that, when we do come back, we're going to go into our first topic and hopefully we're going to speak to a few guests in regards to these topics as well. 0208-687-7878 is the number for you to call. Give us, uh, give, uh, we'll be back just after Jiffy. Allah, Allah. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Life of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Treatment of neighbours. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, always treated his neighbours with extreme kindness and consideration. He used to say that the angel Gabriel had emphasised consideration towards one neighbours so often that he sometimes began to think that a neighbour would perhaps be included among the prescribed heirs. Abu Dhar, peace be upon him, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to him, Abu Dhar, while broth is being cooked for your family, add a little more water to it so that your neighbour might also share in it. This does not mean that the neighbour should not be invited to share in other things, but as the Arabs were mostly a migratory people and their favourite dish was broth, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, referred to this dish as a typical one and taught that one should not think so much of the taste of the food as of the obligation to share it with one's neighbour. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, On one occasion the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, exclaimed, I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. The companions inquired, Who is not a believer, O Messenger of Allah? And he replied, He whose neighbour is not secure against injury and ill treatment at his hands. On one occasion, when he was addressing women, he said, If anybody finds only the foot of a goat to cook, that person should share it with his or her neighbour. He asked people not to object to their neighbours driving pegs into their walls or putting them to any other use which occasioned no injury. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, The Prophet said, He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his neighbour. He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his guest. And he who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should utter only words of virtue or should keep quiet. Muslim I'm 
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. As mentioned, we're going to be talking about benefits of journaling and writing. If you're a journalist, if you're a writer, 0208-687-7878 is the number for you to call. Tell us um, how you go into this, uh, this profession why do you like this profession, and how, or what sort of encourages you to to keep on to keep on going, as well? Um, journaling is seen as a safe and therapeutic way for one to express themselves. Obviously, when there's so much going on in the world um, around you, around us, people want to write about it. People yeah. want to write articles about That's it. That's why people keep diaries, isn't it? That's why people keep diaries. Mm. Exactly, and some people. Uh, you know, are good with words as well. Some people are good at telling mm. stories. Some people are good at telling facts. Some people mm. are good at capturing the other people and getting their message across. So it can become quite mm. therapeutic for, for some people. And then some people might be able to express themselves better with writing than speaking. Yeah, so that's it's, true. it's better for them to just write everything down. It's better, yeah, exactly. Um, a person can write their thoughts down or draw images and patterns um, or use different methods, you know, using stickers and small phrases uh, that can, uh, you know, that would actually relate to how they're, they're feeling. And people start journaling for many different reasons because, um, you know, it could be to boost their self esteem, keeping track of past events, what's happening, what's present, and, you know, helping them to manage stress also. Mm. There are different ways, different things which, uh, which people, you know, write for. Journaling is, is actually. It's a little bit different to actually writing diaries. Uh, you know, one can be more creative when keeping a journal. It's not that necessary and as formal as well. Obviously, when you're writing a news article mm. for, for a newspaper, it, it needs to be factual, obviously. Yeah. It can't just be opinion-based. Of course. You have to base it on facts. Yeah. And you have to be a little bit more formal as well. Obviously, with mm. a diary, you can... How write wherever you want. Yeah. You can write in. It's about your life, isn't you it? You can write your life. You can write informally. You can write formally. You yeah. can write whatever way that you want to. Hmm. Um, but obviously, I mean, but both can be therapeutic as well. Both can, can you can relieve stress uh, with that as well. Now, there are so many things that uh, you know that we can actually uh, that we can that we can talk about in regards yeah. to in regards to this as well, because one thing which we were talking about before is that when you're writing it needs to be obviously factual yeah and what we were saying before it needs if we need there needs to be justice mm-hmm. in every sort of system obviously if you're reporting correctly then yeah. that is very powerful Just if you're giving false information if you're giving misinformation mm-hmm. that can very much mislead a population that can very, very much mislead the people who are reading 
wherever you're writing. By, by what you just said, um, hmm. you know, you can see that if journaling, ju- journaling is done honestly, yeah. it has a profound impact on a lot of the people around the world. We can see that, you know, a lot of the journalists that are, that, as we were mentioning, the Gaza and the um, uh, um, Israel and Hamas yeah. conflict that's yeah. taking place. If you see the followers that the journalists are getting now in Gaza, it's skyrocketed. So some of the journalists over there, because people see it as uh, factual-based reports and what they are seeing is what they are uh, presenting to the world. Mm. So their followers have increased by millions. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of accounts in Palestine um, who are living at Gaza, in Gaza right now, who are journalists, who are just um, self-employed journalists. They're mm. not working for a company or anything like that. Hmm. So they are uploading and um, promote, not promoting, but telling the world what's going on in Gaza. Yeah. And they've, I think in the past month, a lot of them have gained more than five to six million followers. So anything hmm. that's factual and um, what people can see that's justice is being done to it, hmm. I think it will have a lot of impact. Will have a lot of them. impact. Now, yeah. sometimes you see that that bad news or you know misinformation or fake, fake news, news, as some people like to call it as well, that is something well what sells. That is what yeah, sells newspapers. Yeah. If you're giving, you know, if you're if you're spreading hatred, yeah. if you're if you have an agenda, and if you're giving out that sort of information, that is what's gonna that's what's gonna sell. That's what's yeah. gonna sell your papers, and that is why a lot of people. Uh, choose that sort of mm. approach. Um, let's uh, let's speak to our first guest, who's on the line with us, uh, Mormina Arifin Khan, who is a second-year medical student who has been running a blog since she was uh, since she was fifteen. Um, peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for bringing me on the show. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Just wanted to talk to you, uh, talk to you in regards to, or to, to begin talking to you in regards to your blog. Um, tell us a little bit more about that, and uh, you know, sort of how, how you sort of uh, came into to 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 actually start that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'd love to share more about my blog. So it's actually called Knowledge Outlet, and it's basically a passion project that I started, um, as you said, back when I was fifteen. Uh, with the aim of helping people basically become the best version of themselves. Hmm. So back in school, I was like the shy type. And I've learned a lot just by putting myself out there and learned so much about myself and how to make life easier and much more enjoyable for myself. Hmm. So through Knowledge Outlet, I aim to share my um, journey online. And I cover topics from productivity to personal reflection. Because it's easy for us to like get swayed away by our jobs and the hectic routines that we all have. But Hmm. how much time do we actually give to like improving ourselves on a personal level. Um, so my blog is basically an outlet for personal growth, essentially. So it helps readers um, explore what it takes to make better decisions, um, inspire others to like seek discomfort, really get out of their comfort zones and expand their networks and become the best version of themselves in every dimension. That's great. That's great. I mean, obviously helping other people as well it can be very yeah. you know, therapeutic for them as well. Would you say that writing and journaling, that, that can impact mental health? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great way for um, expressing your thoughts and emotions because usually um, it's difficult for us to like, we already have so many things to remember and so many things on our mind. So just the sort of like the act of writing down your thoughts can really help with clearing your mind and 
um, helping you understand any triggers maybe for negative emotions or just writing about how the day went and um, how you could, you know, make it better can really help reduce stress and gain perspective as well in challenges. And it also helps when you write down and what you put on paper is unedited. So you don't go back and like edit it or change things because that way you're being true and honest to yourself and you're not judging yourself in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other day, I also came across a source that mentioned that journaling helps to boost emotional intelligence. So mm. after being non-judgmental towards yourself and making sense of how you're feeling in certain situations or towards certain people and why you feel that way can really help um, understand yourself better, so your strengths and your weaknesses. And a good having good emotional intelligence can actually protect against mental health disorders like anxiety and depression. So it's really useful. Mm. And I was going to ask you in regards to that as well, but you've... Uh, you just mm-hmm. uh, just told us about that, which is good. And um, t- tell us a little bit more about journaling as well. What are the different types of uh, of journaling? Um, so there's definitely yeah many different ways to journal. Um, so you can journal based on like your interest. So I know a friend of mine has a reading journal where she documents thoughts and insights from the books that she reads. You could have a fitness journal, a travel journal, an art journal. But I like to split it up depending on like the type of journal according to their their individual purpose. So, for example, I keep a bullet journal, which is sort of like a planner, but it's more extensive. So you have to-do lists, you have weekly trackers. Um, You could have a section about your mood, your weekly and monthly goals, your interests. And um, back then, when I first started out with journaling, I used to have an app called the 5-Minute Journal, um, if anyone wants to get started on that. And it asks you a few questions, five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening, just specific questions like how you're feeling, how could... You may how how could um, you make this day uh, go better, um, and and then also I've uh, kind of dabbled with gratitude journaling as well. Hmm. So if you're ever feeling down and it really helps to like encourage you to appreciate simple things in life, just by writing down like five things every day that you're grateful for. So there's a lot of different ways to journal. It can be a little overwhelming at first. So any beginners who are trying to um, experiment with this I'd ex- encourage them to check out an article on my website that I have um, where it kind of provides like an introduction to journaling and how to get started out before then being able to like pick the right one for you yeah um, and I wanted to ask what made you start journaling I know you mentioned it briefly but I think it'll be beneficial for the listeners to share your story as well yeah. so I think back then it was I did kind of um Dabble with it at the start before starting med school, but I didn't consistently do it. But when I first like, started my first year, like it was a lot stressful, obviously hectic. There were so many things in my mind, and I just felt like I needed something to I need to let go of those emotions and ease myself into the year. So I felt like journaling to be like the the best stress booster for that. Really, um, just like writing everything down and like talking to myself about things. I felt like I had another person to you know, offload all my burdens onto you. And um, also, like, a great way of reflecting as well. Like, I was able to keep track of my achievements and challenges throughout med school, look back on them and think, you know, how can I improve? How can I put myself in more uncomfortable situations? And, like, you know, like, it's like that personal development thing that I was on about earlier. You know, how can I develop myself as a person and also as a medical student, you know, like, on a professional level? Hmm. And would you say it's similar to writing a diary? Yeah, um, I think a diary is sort of more broad, um, whereas whereas a journal is more specific. In that, um, a diary could be, you know, like 
every day. It's also, I think the timing matters as well. So a diary could be like, dear diary, you're just writing about the events that happened on that one day. But a journal could be, you could be writing about anything at any time um, and then look back on it. So it's not sort of organized as much as a diary is. That's how I differentiate the two. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Mumina, thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, enlightening, enlightening us and our own and our listeners as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think she mentioned quite a few important points, as in if uh, she mentioned that she was dealing with some sort of stress and that helped her um, sway away from it. Yeah, I mean, it can be quite therapeutic as yeah. well, writing down mm. uh, if you're going through something, yeah. if you're you know going through a rough patch. Yeah. And, and yeah. And e- even um, I've realized that, you know, when you have a lot of things in your mind and you have to get through some tasks, I think to just write down what the tasks are, mm. that kind of helps you a lot in accomplishing yeah. it. When, that, when you write it down, yeah. it's in front of you, yeah. you sort of know. And it's in your and then you, yeah. you constantly look at it, you know you have to get that done. You have to get that done. So yeah. it helps you in that sense as well. It does. It does. <coughs> it can be quite therapeutic. It can help. Um, you get through your tasks and yeah. also stay on top of your, you know, yeah. on top of your work. Because I, I, th- I think the tasks, uh, because I think the tasks that you that you need to get done, I think the the stress is there because you think you're going to forget about that task, or you're that going to well. you're going that to forget well. that. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I have to do this. But writing it down, mm. I think it just relieves you yeah, from that's that. Why it's, it's good to write. It's good to write uh, your your tasks, yeah. what you want to achieve, what you want to accomplish, and yeah. also. The things that you have already accomplished as yeah. well. If you've done a because it boosts a, you more. The, yeah, because you've seen the accomplishments now that I've achieved this, so exactly. I can do more in the future. I mean, we're going to we're going to talk about this uh, after the after the news break as well as the news is uh, looming, and we're going to talk about this, continue this topic as well. If you want to contribute to the show, the number to call in as always, the lines are open zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Especially if you're a journalist. Especially if you're, you know, a, a, a writer, even if you write a journal, um, give us a call. Tell us uh, what you think as well and how much it boosts your your self esteem. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. We'll be back after the news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam radio. We're talking about journaling and uh, and writing as well. And obviously we talking we or we spoke about we spoke to a guest and we spoke about how therapeutic it can be if you're going through some some stressful time. One way to actually help with your mental health yeah. is to write it down. And uh, when you, when you do write it down, that can, you know, believe, believe me or not, it does. It literally does help. It does and like help. you said, like you said before as well, if you've got something, if you've got some tasks to to actually accomplish, writing that down, putting that in front of you, can actually help with that process as well. Yeah. Um, which tasks you need to complete? What yeah. is most priority? What's less priority? All these things you can actually write it down as well. You know, I was. Uh, um, it reminds me of. Uh, some uh, a video that I saw of uh, how to spend money, right? So there's different categories in which you know you know you, you write down that these are some things which I need. You write that down, mm-hmm. and literally those things that you need are not that much, right? No, oh, okay. Things that you want are, and then you know you put you put that that down as a title, and you write the things that you want. So you, the things that you need, mm-hmm. the things that you want, and the things that you know is which is like. 
an extra or you know you're treating yourself so a lot of those things are you know a lot of the things which are the things that you want you can cut them down mm-hmm. to save money yeah. if you want to save money the things that you need are the absolute necessity right yeah. say food drink yeah. water but you can't survive things. without you yeah. can't survive commodities and all these things obviously you need to pay those things and you need to get those things as well but the things that you want are sometimes it's you know a pair of new shoes mm. but you've already got like mm. three pairs or four pairs or even more than that as well so, you know some people might have like so like their 20 or whatever yeah. pairs as well you know you might say oh my I don't I need a new jacket you already got like five jackets mm. so obviously those things that you want um if you cut those things down and just get the things that you need and then if you've got some money left over to spend the things that spend your money on the things that you want, want yeah. you can save you can budget and you can save so much mm. money also so there are because it makes you more organized isn't it, it? makes you more organized stay you know <laughs> on top of your on top of your game on top of your mm. budgeting system as well and obviously what i'm trying to say is that if you write things down things which are in your head you know you might think that oh i need this i need mm. this i need this but when you actually think about yeah. it it's the things that you want, want. not yeah, the things that you actually yeah. need as in it you come to the realization that you, you realize <laughs> that what you're doing is not that yeah yeah necessary it, it puts you into perspective yeah. that you know what's what isn't it and yeah. it makes it very clear cut yeah. if you write things down yeah. this is why it's important to write things down mm. if you've got a task mm. to complete write that down then mm. you know i need to i need to finish this job i need to do that i need to do this and that all of these things when you, you write that down you know what you're doing yeah. that day instead of procrastinating yeah. instead of wasting time instead of said becoming a couch potato mm. and whatever isn't it e- even as a student i think everyone will agree that you know once you're trying to study for an exam yeah best yeah. thing you can do to remember is write the points down write the points down and not just obviously not just read about it yeah, and trying to re- read about yeah. it and because <clears throat> a lot a lot a lot of the times i've realized myself that while going to an exam and sometimes i haven't written down the exact things that I should have mm. and I've thought to myself that when I go into the exam I will remember this I'll just read it and I'll remember it and when I go into the exam you realize that the detail that you thought you remember is not actually there but then when you've done the opposite you've written it down everything is very concise and it's clear in your head and then you're able to express the points that you are uh, having the exam for exactly so so it's very it's 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 very beneficial. Even it is, it is. Even the promised Messiah on whom be peace, um, as we're just discussing about writing, he wrote more than eighty books. Yeah, explaining the teachings of Islam and different uh, numerous topics um, with a lot of knowledge in them. Yeah, <coughs> and he, <coughs> he, sorry, excuse me. He, um, th- there's a story that I'm, I'm sure you're aware of. That he used to write. Mm. Um, he used to begin writing from one side of the room. Yeah. And will continue to write until he reaches the other side of the room and then he'll have another ink another pot. Ink pot and he'll well. he'll dip the pen in that ink pot and then he'll continue to he'll write continue and walk to, to the other side of the room so that he doesn't waste time. Mm. And uh, w- w- one of the um, revel- um, um, revelations is that his time would not be wasted. Mm. And in that sense <clears throat> even this exercise helped him to not waste him waste his time but dedicate it in dedicate, the yeah. in the um, uh, help of religion and spreading islam to 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 spread the yeah. the, the 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 real teachings of the islam religion. as well <coughs> and you know it's it is very important as well the different methods and different ways to actually revise different ways to 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 study the, you know, if you're if you're revising for an example whatever it may be 
But we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later on as well. We've got our next guest who's on the line with us, Dr. Richard Langley, who's a lecturer in film and head of the Department of Film and Creative Writing at the University of Birmingham. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Doctor. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, could you highlight your role in your institution, uh, please? So, um, I'm the, as you just said, um, I'm the head of Department of Film and Creative Writing um, at the University of Birmingham. And what we do very much in that department is, yes, we study film and we, we study um, writing, but it's also very creatively based. So mm. students will, will make a lot of film and obviously in terms of writing, they'll do they'll try poetry in prose and screenplays and all sorts of different types of, of creative expression mm-hmm. so when you say there's a lot of a lot of writing involved in in your opinion what are the benefits of writing journaling and different things uh, which are related to that i mean there there are so many benefits it's probably difficult to sort of catalog them all um, <laughs> but certainly there's there's there's, there's an artistic Benefit, if you like, a kind of um, uh, a benefit for self-expression, yeah. um, both in terms of yes, perhaps something artistic, but also um, emotionally. Um, so I mean, talking about kind of journaling, um, and a lot of people, and myself included, um, keep journals from quite a young age. Um, sometimes that's kind of a bit dear diary type mm-hmm. sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but also I think involves much more than that so if i think about my own journals that i have from you know my teens and 20s partly there's there's some really bad poetry that i've written um there's there's kind of memories um but also you know i I think i've probably got the movie ticket stub from every film i watched during my 20s and they're all there in the journal as well there's photographs Mm. there's there's a whole mixture of materials. Mm. Um, so partly that's a, it's a documenting process. It's a memory process. But also I think that there's, there's a process of catharsis too, of kind of emotional release in, in writing and journaling. Um, and in fact, just the other day, you're probably aware of the, you know, the, the COVID inquiry going on yes. right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I'm... Um, They've mentioned this a few times, but um, Sir Patrick Valance, a lot of his um, <coughs> recollections are being drawn from the journal that he wrote at the time, which he wrote not to have a kind of historical record of what was happening, although it's being used in that way, but he wrote it uh, you know, by his own admission as, as a brain dump um, to protect his mental health as a way of kind of making sure that everything wasn't stuck up inside his mind so he could almost release it. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people use, use journaling in that kind of way, that, that we want those thoughts um, on paper rather than constantly going around inside our heads. Yeah. yeah. And as you, you're just mentioning regarding mental health, um, do you think it has a direct effect on the well-being of the person? Absolutely, I do. I mean, I don't think there's a uniform effect. I mean, it, it, it will vary from person to person, and also vary for the same person across time. I don't think people necessarily write journals, for example, for the same reasons all across their lives, that, you know, the journals you're writing at 15 might be very difficult to the sort of thing you might be writing at 45. Um, But the kind of emotional and um, psychological value of doing that, 
um, for positive mental health, um, I, th- I think is, is really, really powerful. And, and, and I think we're probably only really just beginning to understand um, some of that potency. Hmm. And, um, you know, for someone that's wishing to start writing and um, whether for personal or educational purposes, do you have any tips for those individuals? Ooh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a toughie. Um, I think, um, sorry, I, various tips, but I think one of the things I'm always reminded of is, um, I can't recall the title now, but Stephen King, um, like many writers, um, wrote a brilliant book about writing. Mm. And in chapter one of that, he talks about the importance of shutting the door. So uh, having a space and a time and the discipline to write. Um, And so having a process where you're in your office, your bedroom, wherever it might be, but you close the door, that you dedicate the time and the space to writing. Mm. Um, And certainly as a student, I, that was something I found particularly useful. Um, I think if you're doing academic writing, there's all sorts of stuff around planning and organization and, and thinking about argumentation. Um, but as a general rule, having that discipline and being able to block out the world for a limited amount of time, um, I think is a really, really beneficial way of um, you kind of want to make it habitual. Um, so that it doesn't feel always like work um, because there's enjoyment to be had in writing too. Um, And sometimes if you're lucky, you can kind of have that experience of it being a bit like work and you're organized and disciplined, but that you have that expressive creative side being um, released through it too. And I think humans really benefit from that. Mm. And do you think... um writing your thoughts down helps in another way for instance <clears throat> to articulate your speech or even um as students for exams have do you have any experience or any thoughts on that yes i mean and again i don't have the sort of scientific research to hand but certainly in terms of kind of um general sort of pedagogy and kind of, you know, um, tactics for learning, writing down yourself, the information and rewriting it down. You know, that's, that's the thing going through that, repeating that writing process. Writing is, is often, it's a continual process of drafting and refining and editing. Um, And so even at that initial stage where you're trying to learn information, sometimes it won't stick if you just read the page, but if you write it down, um, I mean, you know, and it's, it's a long time now, but, but when I was doing my sort of GCSEs and A-level revision, I would write things down in a kind of color-coded fashion, and that would help me remember the different types of ideas or facts that I was trying to recall mm-hmm. because the process of writing itself had helped solidify it in my mind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, thank you very much, Dr. Richard Langley, for your thoughts and your opinions that you shared with us. It was very beneficial for all of our listeners, I'm sure. I hope so. Thank you for joining the show. All right, thanks very much. Thank you. That was very interesting uh, listening to listening to Dr. Uh, Richard Langley there as well and getting getting his insights, personal insight in regards to writing, uh, writing a journal as well and how 
how helpful that can actually how helpful that can actually be um, and and there's yeah. there's a pet- pattern that we're seeing here that journaling and writing um, your thoughts and uh, your opinions of what's going on around your life is major in dealing with stress it is both of the callers or both of the guests that we had they expressed these these uh, opinions absolutely which i'm sure if anyone wants <laughs> who is dealing with stress mm. wants to try out it probably uh, might have an effect probably most probably be worthwhile isn't it yeah. to, to actually give it a go give it give it a go as well it's it, it is important that we that we stay uh true 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 to the facts as well though isn't it obviously when you're writing a journal mm. or if you're writing exactly. a diary you can sort of you know deviate from the truth as well obviously isn't it you can say whatever you want to say mm-hmm. which you know it, it is your journal you can write whatever you want to but if mm. you're writing something which is which is factual maybe if other people need to read that as well you know if you're writing an an article or if you're writing uh if you're journaling mm. uh if you if you if you're a journalist especially um not specifically writing a journal a personal one but if you're writing for you know uh, if if you're, if you're a journalist and you're writing for for a paper mm. that needs to be factual so instead of yeah. you know instead of uh, and you need to facts, do justice to it as you justice to it as, as well. we spoke about. I mean like we said in the beginning of the in the beginning of uh, of this segment as well is that when you write something for the news words can have a very powerful impact on yeah. the way you portray them as well. Yeah. Obviously there there is an agenda different newspapers different um broadsheet newspapers tabloid newspapers uh, and magazines of course they have their own agenda mm. and they want to obviously sell their papers isn't exactly. it? Exactly. But to a certain the, audience to yeah. a certain audience and they want to incite people's sentiments mm. they want to incite people's sometimes even mm. their hatred yeah. for a particular uh, people as well. Mm. So it is important that whoever is writing for a paper especially it needs to be factual it cannot be opinion based mm. and the way that you write something everyone needs to understand that that you know that has an effect Very on, on on as we on can see during this um conflict that's happening, that's right happening right now, yeah, um some of the newspapers and some of the media outlets they did portray some things which were disproven Hmm. afterwards which they did apologize for so it needs to be thoroughly checked and factual before yeah. it's released out into the public because it has a major effect on everyone hmm. as you know the incident that took place in America um where a 6 year old was killed by <clears throat> a um american citizen i believe it was it was it was regarding this uh, war that was happening and hmm. the 6 year old was a palestinian and right. because that person who killed him he saw on the news or read some articles which portrayed them in a different light to yeah. what the reality is yeah. and that had a really profound effect on him so he went out and he saw them and he thought something which was completely untrue hmm. and he attacked them yeah. and um uh, very uh that's the thing isn't it harshly lost his life the poor 6 year old So <clears throat> I think every newspaper every media outlet needs to understand how much impact and how much effect it has on the population mm. of what they write. That is so true. It's so true. And for 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 these new pa- for news, newspapers and these articles as well they it's almost sometimes it seems as if they write whatever they want to yeah. 
And if they get caught, then they will just they will just apologize. They'll just apologize. They, they then, won't be accountable. But for then it. that but then that story that or that or that apology is a little too late, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the deed's done. Yeah. And then you you can't apologize after that, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, what are you gonna do? You can't bring someone back to life. Exactly. Um, a, li- a life is lost. Exactly. And that's the that's the thing. And that's why that's why a lot of people. That's why whatever you read or see in the news. That doesn't necessarily have to be true. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't. That doesn't mean it's a hundred percent accurate as well. Yeah. So I know, think we need to do. And His Holiness, the Fifth Caliph of that Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat, he has also emphasized that we need to do our own research, and we should look at different outlets, and basically come to a conclusion come which a conclusion. we see fit, not just um, see one uh, side of the story. You yeah, ha- make a proper judgment. Exactly. Make a proper exactly. judgment. Not just not just read one newspaper yeah, and, and then, see one yeah. side of story and, and then agree to it just because you it. you think it's right. But do your own research. Absolutely. Look at both sides of the story. Look stories. at both sides of the story as well, and that is what's uh, that's what's important. Hmm. But obviously, you know where this hatred, you know, stems from, is from misinformation and mis- misleading yeah. people 100%. as well. So this is why a lot of people don't know about the true teachings of Islam as well. Yeah, and this is why. <laughs> Uh, you know, like you said, His Holiness has been telling us from, you know, ever since, you know, since the beginning mm. that what we need to do is we need to portray the real message of Islam. Mm. And that is only then when, only only then will we be able to spread the real message, which mm. is about respecting everyone, which is about treating everyone in a just way, in yeah. a just manner. Obviously, fulfilling the rights of God, mm. fulfilling the rights of mankind. And that, when we portray the real message, when you give out the real message, that is when people will actually understand mm. that you know Islam is not what we heard on yeah. the news. Islam mm. is not what we what we you know what we saw on you know this you know news channel, this news channel or, or this or that on the mm. news or whatever. And if, I don't know if you know, but quite recently there was a there was a person, uh, quite you know, the middle-aged man, a little bit a little bit older as well in New York, mm. and he was going past a a a, oh, yeah. a halal vendor, and he was. Abusing you know, him, literally abusing him, is following him mm. for for days, yeah. and uh, you know just harassing him, taking a just video just because just because he's heard something which is against Islam yeah. and he's exactly. agreed to it and he hasn't done his own research, he hasn't looked at the both sides of stories, literally, and he he's abusing the the halal uh, vendor, right? The vendor, he, yeah. he was yeah, he was a Muslim, uh, and he's saying literally bad, you know, so vile things yeah. about the Holy Prophet of Islam, yeah. peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as well, and so. It's it's so rude. I mean, mm. one on one side you can say, yeah, I can say whatever I want to. It's a free country and this and Freedom that. And I'm an American, this and that. It has a limit. But then everything. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? That's mm. the thing. And when people are being misled, that is that is what's going to happen. Mm. And that is what the agenda is for some <coughs> news outlets. Mm. That's the problem, isn't it? Mm. That is the problem, where they want to incite people against to, something, against yeah. against something. They want they promote their agenda their agenda. So this is why it's important mm. for all of us to use our common sense as well, to use our the wisdom that we have been given by God Almighty yeah. and assess from ourselves. But we see on the other hand that people are using their wisdom also, you know, regard um, because of this, um, uh, the massacre that's been taken place in Palestine. You're seeing um, mothers and fathers and family members holding their dead ones and they're still praising God Almighty. And then because of this action, it has led a lot of the people who were not aware of Islam to pick up the Holy Quran and actually read 
mm. what gives these individuals such resilience, yeah. such power, such, such faith. Patience, and after yeah. seeing that and reading the Holy Quran, they have realized what an amazing book it actually is. Yeah. So they're using their wisdom in that sense. And mm. that's that's how it should be. You should do your own research. And because of that, there's a, maj- a lot of videos out on social media that people have converted to Islam mm. because they said that whatever they had heard about Islam before was completely false. Mm. And now that they've actually read their book, read the Holy Quran, they've realized that's amazing. Like everything is in it. Every, every situation that they're going through, it talks the about answer, it. The yeah, the there. answer is there. Whatever they're feeling, sometimes they're feeling a, a certain type of way. Some the, type the, of way, yeah. yeah. And uh, the Quran has, a, has an answer for that. That's the thing. And we said this right in the beginning of the show as well, that Islam has the answer to everything. Exactly. It's got the answer to all of these yeah. problems that we're facing mm. in our daily lives yeah. uh, and obviously what the world is facing mm. nowadays as well. And the Holy Prophet came to um, express what the Quran has, has taught Absolutely. us. And then the promised Absolutely. Messiah on whom be peace came to he, so he can spread the true teachings of Islam. Because yeah. in in the way, yeah. the true teaching had been had been lost, had been, been forgotten. Lost, yeah. So he literally revived mm. yeah. the the same mm. principles, the same teachings, yeah. the same tenets. So hopefully, we're doing well. justice with this Voice of Islam platform. I mean, that's what the purpose is. The purpose is the purpose is as well. Um, like uh, you know, like you said, we can, we we can go on for for ages on on this topic as well. But we must draw a conclusion also, and uh, take a short break right after that. When we come back. Would we'll go into the the final segment of the of, uh, of of the show, which is about the importance of inclusive education for students. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. We'll be back after a short break. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion, and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. Azrat Mirza Majroor Ahmed is the present head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the most dynamic international community within Islam. The community was established by Hazrat Mirza Khulam Ahmed in Kardian, a small and remote village in India. He claimed to be the expected reformer of the latter days, the one awaited by all major world religions. Founded in 1889, the community has continued to spread throughout the world, flourishing under caliphate, the system of spiritual leadership established after the demise of the Holy Founder. The current successor of this movement, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, continues the work of the Holy Founder to revive the spiritual and moral state of mankind. The movement embodies the benevolent message of Islam and its pristine purity, a movement that preaches peace, universal brotherhood, and submission to the will of God. Ahmadi Muslims have earned the distinction and reputation of being a law-abiding and peaceful community. Within a century, the movement has reached all the corners of the earth and has been recognized and praised by the global community. Love for all, hatred for none. Those words from your third Khalifa are more important, more crucial, more essential today than they have ever been. And of course, the Amadi have always practiced this peace-loving philosophy. I am gladdened and inspired by the fact that the Ahmadis not only preach a message of love, friendship and understanding, but practice it fully in the way you include and invite others to share your gathering. An injunction to love all and to hate none 
is the avowed guiding principle of the Ahmadi life. I would thank you also that you have stressed uh, the importance of showing that Islam is the religion of peace, not the religion of hate, uh, as it was stated on the wall in the Yalsa, love for all, hatred for none. I think that is the message that the world really needs. You understand at a profound level that promoting religious freedom is an essential building block for peace and stability here and throughout the world. In this we are allied with His Holiness, a courageous champion of religious freedom and of peace. Love for all, hatred for none, is the message that we see in this mosque and from the Ahmadiyya Association. Your people have been the leaders in taking the peace movement that one step further. The huge respect we have, we all have, for your work day by day in making a reality of peace and brotherhood across the communities in this country and across the world. I think the words that you said uh, to my colleagues in the House of Commons ring probably a little truer, but hopefully a little more hopefully than they did when you actually said it in the House a few weeks ago. His Holiness began his address by speaking of the great conflicts that divide the world today. Wars being fought in different parts of the world. He worried of even greater problems. He then went on and said, It is my fear that in my view of the direction in which things are moving today, the political and economic dynamics of the countries of the world may lead to world war. Therefore, it is the duty of the superpowers to sit down and find a solution to save humanity from the brink of disaster. They were words, Your Holiness, I think, that were taken very seriously by all who were there at that meeting. Wherever the movement has been established, it endeavors to exert a constructive influence of Islam through social projects, educational institutes, health services, Islamic publications, and the construction of mosques. These endeavors continue, despite the bitter persecution that the community suffers in some countries. We need all the goodness we can find in today's world. And I applaud you for your contribution in Britain and worldwide to community cohesion and the enjoyment of diversity that is such a precious asset. And wherever Ahmadis live in the world, you are renowned for enthusiastically participating in the larger community and peacefully living, living alongside people of all faiths, languages, and cultures. And I would like to pay an additional tribute to the work being done by Ahmadis in raising standards in Africa and particularly in education. Yes, Britain has welcomed the headquarters of the Ahmadis in this country, but it hasn't become something that's become, as it were, a closed sect in Britain. It's become a community that has sought to reach out to all of us. And that's very important because the best way to break down the barriers of misunderstanding and prejudice is for that contact to happen. And I thank you for that. The Ahmadiyya community contribute hugely to interfaith forums, to the richness of our community, and that is the same that's reflected across our nation. But what I would like to pay tribute to you as well this evening is the contribution that you make to wider society, the important charitable causes that you support, not just for your own communities, 
but for the wider communities. And that is to be acclaimed and that is to be applauded. to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. We're talking. We've just spoke about the you know the the importance of writing things down, keeping a journal, keeping keeping on track, and a similar topic we're going to be talking about now is which is about the importance of education. Uh, not just education, but inclusive education for for students uh, as well. You know, just just from the very outset, I want to just say that the Holy Prophet of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he actually said that it is the duty of every single Muslim, whether mm-hmm. you're a boy or a girl, mm-hmm. to, rec- to 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 attain knowledge, to go out there and seek knowledge. I, the reason why I said this, or the reason why I said this narration, is that a lot of people think that Islam teaches uh, that you know only the only the guys, only the males, mm. only the boys are actually allowed to receive an education. Mm. But that can be can't be far, further from the truth. The truth is is that Islam has laid down a fundamental duty, mm. not even not even a choice. It's not it's not if you want to. Uh, uh, if you want to do it, you can do it. If you want to do it, you can. If you don't want to do it, it's fine. It's a, it's actually a duty, and he said that seek knowledge from the cradle mm. all the way to the grave. Yeah. So you're literally your whole life. Yeah. You dedicate. You I mean you're learning. You're learning something exactly. new. No one can say that I know everything or one hundred percent about yeah. this particular topic or that topic or whatever. It's not no, no one can say that. It's unlimited, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Only God Almighty has unlimited knowledge, knowledge yeah. and He's got the He knows everything, right? I, I, matter of fact, He. Uh, emphasize so much importance on it mm. as in during the wars that were taking place in the Islamic period and you know some of the um, people that were captured he said that you can be released if yeah. you taught our people how to read or write Yeah. so that was one of the conditions Yeah. it was such a nice condition to put in place because it makes the society 
a better place. Yeah, educate the society, yeah. educate the next generation as exactly. well, isn't it? And exactly. obviously, that is a one way to to free yourself to yeah. earn your own freedom. Mm. Is that if you if you're you know if you're if if you're education, you can yeah. educate the the youngsters. Yeah. Um, then yeah, that'll be one one mm. of the ways that you can free yourself. Yeah. And and he obviously the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Awesome. Where he got this teaching from was from the Quran. In the Quran, God has taught us, Rabbi Zidni ilma. Oh God, increase me in knowledge. So from the beginning, we are yeah. taught that we should be seeking knowledge, and that's how the Holy Prophet uh, imp- implemented all these ideas and uh, variations into the society. Now. Why is uh, inclusive inclusive education so important? Because giving a ve- you know a very learning it gives very learning opportunities. It gives students lots of opportunities uh, for them to use, as I just said. And it also teaches useful skills, such as ways to solve problems. They also teach uh, and model each other with uh, social good behavior as well. So there's different things, there's different ways in which inclusive education. Um, can help, uh, can help students as well. Channel them towards the you know towards the right direction. We've got a uh, we've got our next guest uh, or the first guest for this uh, for this segment for this part of the show, Kristen Mould, who uh, joined the EEF as specialist for learning behaviors, looking at the links between evidence on behavior, social, and emotional learning, as well. Send parental engagement and metacognition. Also, prior to this, she taught across primary and secondary phases in over 25 years of teaching as well. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hi there. Great to join you. Thank you so much. Just to begin with, could you highlight your role uh, for for the benefit of our listeners, please? Yeah, you've said a bit of it there, isn't it? It's a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) But um, yeah, definitely. Previously, a teacher over 25 years in schools across primary and secondary and um, a role as Special Educational Needs Coordinator and Pupil Premium Lead. So that's quite an interesting one for our discussion. Hmm. But presently work for the EEF, the Education Endowment Foundation, and that's a charity dedicated to breaking the link between family income and educational achievement. So right. working to support schools, nurseries and colleges in their teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. We were talking about inclusive education as well. So tell us a little bit more about that and why is it, why is it so important? Why and how? Yeah, I think inclusion begins with the belief that all children should have equal access to education and an inclusive school removes barriers to learning and participation. And I guess we're talking about high expectations for all Hmm. and an inclusive school is where everyone feels safe, people's staff want to be there and they feel their voices are heard. And I think that's something we'd want for all children. And I feel privileged to work with schools and settings and colleges across England and to see Mm. the dedication they have for young people. And I think knowing our communities and families sits at the heart of an inclusive school or setting. And there's lots of evidence that we have around that, our suite of guidance reports, and those are actionable and accessible reports for school leaders in our particular area. Um, If we take special educational needs, for example, over 1.5 million pupils in England with special educational needs at the last um, gathering of that data. And just within our guidance report on special educational needs in mainstream schools, we've got recommendations around developing a sense of belonging, you know, a sort of holistic understanding of pupils and their needs, promoting positive relationships, having a welcoming, positive, supportive 
supportive environment in schools with pupils accessing the best possible teaching. Mm. Um, and how do you think educational institutions can make the environments more inclusive? Yeah, I think inclusivity term could be interpreted in various ways. And I think knowing our pupils and their families seems central. And that's maybe easy to say and harder to do well in practice as a busy school leader, you know, working on a few things well. We know that school culture, bringing people together around shared roles is so important, as well as all the logistics that make it happen. Um, I know, for example, schools working on developing a pupil premium strategy. That's for, you know, over a quarter of pupils in England who are um, who have socioeconomic disadvantage. You know, sometimes they describe taking three to four months to really dig in to understand their pupils, their needs, their families, understanding ways to communicate successfully. And just think for a moment what that might look like, you know, the people involved the logistics, the time to monitor and evaluate approaches, mm. are they working as we intended and so and so on. Mm. I mean I can dig in a little bit more to the SBN if you want, if you want some some other examples. Yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah. So I think that if we think back to those SEN statistics and the number of pupils that we're thinking about and, and we hear about pressures and priorities of school leaders at EEF um, through a school reference group. And by the way, any school leaders listening who'd like to join these, just check out our socials and please do sign up. We'd love to hear people's voices. But we know that schools are required to enact various statutory leg legislation around Code of Practice, Equalities Act. Um, but just taking those those pressures, but also looking at what schools are doing with those. So looking at redeploying staff maybe, um, supporting staff to lead family liaison, communication with parents and carers. I'm hearing of schools offering a space to be a hub for other services, you know, housing, food banks and supportive state, um, um, supportive spaces. But I think there's really actionable messages within our guidance report around making schools more, more inclusive. And, and really thinking about the high quality teaching and that teacher that's in front of every class and looking, you know, searching for some kind of magic bullet doesn't doesn't really exist. Mm. We're looking at really powerful strategies that teachers have already mm. um, and, and deploying those really deliberately. I think there's challenges around personalization to be truly inclusive, but many needs require the same high quality teaching and there's been positive developments and discussions around the term adaptive teaching mm -hmm. um, so thinking about that flex within every class with every child and really knowing next steps and that's a term that every early career teacher will now be familiar with um, and looking at our training for staff and how we bring everybody on that journey together is really important. Mm. And um, as looking at your bio, um, you mentioned um, it says that you started uh, looking at the links between evidence on behavior, social and emotional learning. Um, how would you say that has impacted the individuals on um, who's been taught these uh, emotional and social behaviors? Properly to answer that question, I'll think back to students that I worked with while I was teaching and I think about those who potentially struggled for whatever reason and I think if 
when they came to school, I wanted them to feel it was a consistent experience. So the school's positive and proactive about those behaviour strategies across the school. They're really talking to children explicitly about those social and emotional skills, naming emotions, having strategies to, to cope with those. You were just talking about journaling earlier yeah. as, a, as a strategy there. Um, but also the kind of metacognitive skills, so thinking about um, really driving their own learning to be becoming independent learners. And I think you were also talking about revision earlier as well and just the challenge around young people organising that. Yeah. I think all of those strands come together and we've got a suite of guidance reports where those connections are, are really clear around the links between being behavioural, you know, being resistant, uh, resilient, sorry, um, and having those independent learning features and those are being deliberately taught by the school. And I think bringing parents and carers into those conversations around what that looks like at home as well as at school. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if I go back to this lad I'm thinking about, you know, I wanted him to feel that it was consistent. I wanted him to feel connected to school, to his teachers, to his peers. Um, and for him, you know, that looked very specific and the school was able to kind of work work around that for him. Mm. Yeah. And are there any adverse effects of a lack of uh, inclusivity? Probably the closest I can get to answer that question is, you know, we have an evidence base on our teaching and learning toolkit at EES talking about setting and streaming. So that's something that, that can be a debate in the education world. And there's a variety of approaches by which pupils might be by grouped for particular lessons and I guess grouping by ability with no flexibility over time could be problematic for our ideas around inclusivity. Mm. If we're not inclusive by design, adapting teaching as appropriate, we can fall into stereotypes and those fixed groups can become problematic and we can get bogged down in different school types when we talk about this. But I think we could be more confident drawing on those high quality teaching principles that we know are the most powerful lever we have. Mm. Um, and if I think back to some of those pupils I've taught, you know, it really is that, that teacher, that support staff in front of them, giving them that experience of well-trained, effective teachers in front of every class. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us, uh, Kristen Maud. Um, it was very nice speaking to you and you benefited a lot of our listeners, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yep, that was uh, Kirsten, who is a specialist for learning behaviours. Um, and yes, she did uh, inform us of a lot of uh, very important information that we got out of this. And mm. we are uh, yeah. discussing this topic, which is... Uh, the importance of inclusive education for students. And it's, it's good to get uh, an approach from uh, from a teacher's perspective. Yeah. So obviously, with the experience of over 25 years teaching primary, secondary as well, how to include everyone yeah. in, you know, in the classroom as well, not, you know, sort of dividing the students and, you know, in this way as well. Mm -hmm. We were talking about we were talking about journaling and writing and uh, before as well, wasn't it? And how mm. it sort of links to this part of the show, talking about education as a whole and talking about inclusive education. There's a brief audio clip that, that you know, that I want to play 
uh, for the benefit of our listeners as well, which tells us, you know, we were talking about misinformation, right? And there's a lot of misinformation in, in regards to Islam, the teachings of Islam. Now, one of the things which people don't really know that much about is about jihad. So very mm-hmm. quickly, uh, there's a brief audio clip uh, that will just explain this uh, in some detail. In Western countries, it's wrongly understood that Islamic jihad is to start war, but in fact it is to encourage peace and end war. How we can remove this false understanding in the Western society? By first trying to understand the concept of jihad yourself, and then propagating that concept. Only that is that is the only way to achieve that objective which you have mentioned. <laughs> Could you kindly elaborate a little further? I have to give answer to some of my friends, you see. This is my answer to you. First of all, understand the Islamic concept of jihad yourself. This has been discussed at length by Hazrat Musim Salam in many of his books and also you will come across this in many articles written by Ahmadi scholars um, and uh, it's a lengthy subject so you better understand what jihad means according to the Holy Quran, according to the traditions of Hazur Akram and according to his own practice and the practice of Khulafai Rashidin and so on so having understood what jihad means, then you'll be able to convey this to your, your friends. Without that, how can you do it? So to win this battle, you have first of all to be prepared yourself. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Explained by the, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed. May Allah have mercy on him. His Holiness is uh, addressed to the, to, the, to, to the young women. Uh, or to the young girls in regards to the education uh, as well there's a there's a brief audio clip of uh, of that of that speech of that address let's listen to a, a small snippet of uh, of that so my advice to you all is that you should try to excel in your studies and uh, all of you should try to learn as much as you can and complete your studies if you are interested in medicine, do medicine, engineering, law, teaching, or if you want to go into research, you can go into research. You should try to excel in your education and try to gain as much education as you can. That was the advice of His Holiness, the, the worldwide head and the fifth caliph of the of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Masur Rahman, may Allah be his helper. And that actually draws a conclusion uh, to, 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 to our show this, uh, this morning. Of course, thank you to all the guests who took time out and spoke to us, the producers uh, and uh, the researchers, Namud Seher, Naima Chaudhary, Hania Yaqub, Azor Mehrish Dogger, Sofia Shinwari, Tamsila Khuram, Maida Arisha Ahmed, and of course to the technical department, always a pleasure to 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 present with uh, you know to with you uh, Abdul Halim and uh, of course until next time we'll be back with some new some new topics some new interesting topics but until then assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh peace and blessings of allah be upon you all <laughs>